0: So it may be the best three words of a sermon, the three best words of a sermon. I sat where you sat late summer, this fall, and when I heard these three great words, I went, yes, what are those three best words of a sermon, so in conclusion, or my final point, point. and when I sat where you sat, I thought, good, he's all done, we're out of here. And I would be thinking about the next person I wanted to meet at the church we were visiting or our lunch or people that I wanted to talk about. Hopefully, when you hear those words, it was a good sermon. The sermon lifted up the name of Jesus, that you as the body of Christ, me as the body of Christ, we were fed, we were equipped, we were encouraged. We have heard that we are the affection of the Lord Jesus Christ and we're ready to be poured out. Well, that's where this sermon comes today. It's an in-conclusion sermon. It's, so let's wrap it up. We've been going through the book in the book of Hebrews. We're going to actually spend 25 Sundays total on the book of Hebrews. And the the Scriptures actually tell us in the book of Hebrews 13:22 a brief exhortation. Scholars see the book of Hebrews as being a long sermon, and then you get to chapter. 13, and it seems like it's just some random verses, no rhyme or reason to it, but really what's happened is it's the conclusion of great theological truths, truths that Christ is greater, Jesus is greater, and the writer for the book of Hebrews walked us through a whole bunch of comparisons. He started off by saying, Jesus, there's angels, and then there's Jesus, and there's high priests, and there's Jesus. There's a guy by the name of Moses, and there's Jesus. There's even a Joshua, and there's Jesus. And there's rest, and there's the rest of Jesus. And there's the old covenant, and the new covenant that Jesus comes. In fact, there's no comparison. Jesus, Jesus is greater. And so, for 12 chapters, for 12 beautiful chapters, we've been Introduced to great theological truths that are doctrinal and foundational and Encouraging and that are true and that never changes and sprinkled in there are warnings in other words general warnings But specific warnings and In this chapter in Hebrews chapter 13, that's very similar side note very similar to what we see in the book of Romans Fifteen chapters of great doctrine, great truth, great reality. And then you get to chapter 16, and it's like the Apostle Paul just says, well, I've got to kind of cram this in here. I'll write all these verses in. And sometimes you might come to a chapter in the Bible and say, now how does that relate? In this epistle, we see now the instructions being very personal. In fact, uncomfortably personal. The warnings come not for people out there, but for the people here. The warnings are seen, some would say, as the law of God, as a shaking and saying, don't miss this. It's serious, and that's what we see here. In Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to take a look at our eight verses plus a bonus verse. And we're going to see the writer for the book of, the, the book of Hebrews break it down, and we'll take a look at three, three, and kind of three verses all together. We'll see a, a focus on the external, on the fact that we are here as the body of Christ, not just for ourselves, but when we walk out the door, we have been given some instructions. Then we'll see the fact that the writer for the book of Hebrews turns it internally, uncomfortably internally, on two very relative topics in fact you might even feel the fact that the writer for the book of Hebrews is reading your mail if you will but that's the way the Word of God works right Hebrews 4 says that the Word of God penetrates our hearts and it's the Spirit of God and then finally where we're gonna go on this passage of Scripture we are gonna go on this passage of Scripture being reminded and saying oh yeah oh yeah that's true and because that's true That changes everything. So I want to invite you to find a copy of the scriptures uh, that are in front of you. Page 1042, I'll give you a a second or two to find a passage of scripture there. And this comes not in a to-do list. So if you you hear this and you think, oh, okay, this is like the writer for the book of Hebrews, to-doing. No, it's because of. It's because what Jesus did. It's because he died on the cross. It's because he's greater. It's because he's more glorious. It's because he provides more rest. It's because he is the true Messiah. It's because he is the one that we've been waiting for. It's because of that. It's because of that. It's because of that. It's because of that. And then we respond. How can we not respond? He saved us. He rescued us. He died on the cross for us. He lived a perfect life for us. And he exchanged his holiness for our wickedness. And so the writer for the book of Hebrews says, okay, as a result of that, here are some instructions. Not to be the best version of you. Do you hear that narrative? The best version of you, but God's holy version of you. See the switch? It's not a word play. It's an emphasis. So reading in, from God's word, Hebrews chapter 13, one of the churches I went to, held up the Bible like this. And I thought, ooh, that's significant. This is God's breathed word. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. I'm learning Spanish slowly. In my Spanish Bible, the word for that is fraternal amente. Get it? Love one another. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed be kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Verse seven, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider that outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jumping down to verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders. And submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning once again with praise and thanksgiving, praising your, you with our lips for the sacrifice your son Jesus gave on our behalf. His, what a perfect life he lived. His was a payment for our sin. What mercy he showed Jesus, you gave yourself up willingly. You gave up your position of pre-creation glory and power and majesty to take on human flesh. You were motivated to unite us to yourself to renew and restore a relationship with our Heavenly Father. We were once hopelessly lost, broken by the curse of sin and the power of death and the demonic rule of Satan himself. Thank you that you didn't leave us alone. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for your shedding your blood. Thank you, Father, for sending me and filling of the Holy Ghost, your presence in us. Thank you for giving us your very God-breathed Holy Word. Thank you for this gift of prayer and this unbelievable invitation that you want us to talk with you. Thank you for the physical, tangible, touchable, miraculous, mysterious sacrament of baptism and Holy Communion. By your Word, you save and you renew. Thank you for the gift of faith. And we pray that you would open up our eyes and open up our ears to see more clearly, to love even more tenderly, because we need it. Our broken world needs it. Our friends need it. Our neighbors need it. So for your glory and for your kingdom and for your fame and for your name, equip us and feed us in Jesus' name. Amen. A few thoughts as we look at Hebrews chapter 13 that will help us As we look at this passage of scripture. First is this. There's an external attention. It's interesting to understand if he's going to wrap up this whole book. Why did he start? Why did he start with love? This family kind of love. C.S. Lewis, uh, the great English scholar, defines love in four different categories. One is affection, more than liking. One is Eros, which we get the word erotic. It means more than sexual. It means physical, which is a good thing. Agape, which is God's love towards us. It's the highest form. It's charity. And then this idea of familia. Born of the same womb. We get the word Philadelphia from it. It's the shoulder to shoulder. Why, why do you think the, the writer for the book of Hebrews started with show love to one another? <coughs> well, there's a hint. But Jesus said in John chapter thirteen, verse thirty five, people will know you are Christians by how you love one another. Can you imagine walking into a church body like this and having people say, Good morning? <sniffs> it wouldn't go very far, would it? There's a quality about love and about caring that's disarming. Very, very powerful. It links to the next verse, this external focus. It links to the next verse, and there's a nuance, and I want to make sure that you hear the nuance. It says that we're supposed to show hospitality to one another. Now, in some translations, it says that people entertained entertained angels. So why did I say humility does not equal entertainment? Because oftentimes we understand hospitality to be, well, I have to throw a dinner party. Everything has to be perfect in my house. I have to have, if I invite you, then you're gonna invite me, and how's that gonna work? Well, the actual idea behind hospitality in the root word there, the root word in hospitality actually has the word Philadelphia, so it's showing love. And it's showing love in meeting needs. Practical needs. The way that you can meet a need is a different way that I can meet a need. It might be meeting a need financially. It might be meeting a need work-wise, doing a project for someone. It might be calling someone, reaching out to someone. It talks about meeting needs more than social dinner parties. I was given this freedom that someone by the name of Ray gave to me Julie and I would, as a young couple, we would compare ourselves to this one particular couple that we knew. And she would have matching plates, fresh-cut flowers. You know, it was just like a picture out of the the Chip Chip and Joanna Gaines article. And we're like, we're not those kind of people. And so my friend Ray invited us to her house, and she said, we got frozen pizza on the counter, and there's a can of pop. Take off your shoes and stay a while. And I went, All right. Now, the Bible says that as we do this, we might entertain angels unaware, or angels, one scholar said, angels in blue jeans. I don't know how that works. You would think the angels, you'd kind of want to go behind the angels and say, I know you're an angel because I can see your wings, and that's a harp, isn't it? But the Bible actually kind of gives us a cue that this actually literally happens. Matthew chapter 25, it's been my motivation why I get so excited for Operation Christmas Child, why I want to be buried in a shoebox, actually. And the the reason is, is because Jesus prophetically talks about this angel-unaware kind of situation. In Matthew chapter 25, prophetically, he talks about the separation of sheep and goats, not literally sheep and goats, but those who know him are sheep, those who don't know him are goats, and they will be separated. And it goes like this. Jesus says, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was in prison, you visited me. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we do all of those things? And Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Scholars call that, (gasps) the surprise of the saints that was you that was you i didn't i didn't know that was you won't that be fun the instruction is this because of what christ has done because he is greater meet needs where you can meet needs where you can and don't forget those who are in prison now there's a little backstory why they threw that in there, why that's there, and it and may be helpful. Uh, well, I shouldn't say why they threw that in. As inspired by the Holy Spirit, please understand. Uh, inns and hotels were closely associated with brothels. There weren't a lot of inns at that time. People stayed with those who were family relationships. But specifically those that were in prison at that time were in prison because they loved Jesus. It was a time of a a wicked man, wicked man by the name of Nero, ruled Rome. And because he ruled Rome, if you knew Christ, you would be thrown in prison. And the writer for the book of Hebrews is saying this, don't forget those people. Since I've been about 23, I was thinking about this in this sermon, since I've been about 23 I've supported the work of Prison Fellowship because I love their ministry. And there's a practical ministry we've just prayed for them, Good News Jail Chaplaincy. You can also pray for those who are being persecuted. Voice of the Martyrs or Barnabas Aid are fabulous ministries to partner with. And they're looking for people to give to. Now, any time you come to a list like this, instructions, you might say, okay, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. When I was growing up, maybe it was in the way that I heard it, the script that I heard was, okay, I'm reading my Bible, check. I'm, I'm, I'm praying, check. I'm doing this, check. I'm doing this, check. I'm doing this, check. See, God, I'm a good Christian. Because Jesus is better, we're given these instructions to say, this is how gospel people They live this way because of Jesus outwardly. It's by his spirit. It doesn't come naturally. It is by his spirit. And then the writer for the book of Hebrews turns inward, inspection, and touches on two things that are very real today, sex and money. He says, keep the marriage bed pure, undefiled, not stained. I learned about that the week before I came back from sabbatical. These are my favorite pair of gloves. They're kind of ratty looking. And I'm cheap enough that I found a, I was going to do some touch-up painting in my home. And so I wanted to resurrect a can that I hadn't used for a while. And so I thought I was doing everything right. And I forgot that it wasn't latex. Latex is great for... Uh, people who aren't really skilled, because if you make a mistake, you just wash it away, and nobody knows. It's great. But I forgot it was stain. And I stained my favorite glove, and they were all gooey and gross. And Well, they're gross still, but um, I learned something about stain. It doesn't come out. The Bible talks about this Stain this corruption, this contamination. Uh, Another verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, earlier the previous chapter says this, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows in you to trouble you, corrupting many. The idea is a stain or a pollutant or a contaminant. Two different stains that are here, that are powerful, that are destroying churches and marriages And the word for sexual immorality is porneus. What do you think we get the word from? Pornography. And hearing my voice on the radio, right now online, this is impacting homes, it's impacting hearts. It is destroying people. And please hear, please hear, please hear. Hear the law of God and hear the gospel invitation hear the law of God that the Bible very clearly says that God will judge. He will judge. Whether it's now or in the near future. But he will judge. And so if this is an area that you are wrestling with that has a grip, let me introduce you to the person of Jesus Christ. Let me point to the cross and cry out for mercy and repentance. Cry out to him. And ask him for help to set you free there are practical things that you can do probably the most hardest the the hardest one might be tell someone someone you trust find counselor get help limit access don't just say it's no big deal it is a big deal it is a big deal seek help the word for adultery there that's used also means to be unfaithful to a spouse and then widen out, it means to be unfaithful to Christ. That's what it means. So people who are married, you fell in love. And you, you did. You got married for a reason. You fell in love. And you may not be in love right now, but you fell in love, and it's probably going to take some work to stay in love. There's a resource on our website. There's tons of them that are available. But on our website, we have what's called marriage modules. And they were built specifically so people could use them on date nights. And see, marriages do crumble if they're not nurtured and they're watered and they're cared for. They have to be. What was really helpful as a pastor is we would do premarital counseling. I understood about the law of second law of thermodynamics second law of thermodynamics you may say pastor Kirk how does that relate to marriage I got a C minus in physics so I didn't do very well it means this things go from hot to cold from order to disorder so it's gonna take some time to go from disorder back to warm so I instruct you if you know someone If you're there, if you're a widow or single, know your lover, Jesus. Know your lover, Jesus, and spend significant time with him. That's a word of encouragement. Sex and money. What about money? Notice what it says and what it doesn't say. What it doesn't say is money is evil. What it does say is the love of money. And how do you battle that? Well, the writer for the book of Hebrews gives us a clue. You ready? It's just one word. It's the word contentment. There's two scripture passages there. Aaron read one of them at length, Psalm 118. Contentment. My son reminded me about a book he's reading about contentment. He said, Dad, there are two things for the believer. Contentment and discontentment. Contentment in what the Lord will do and discontentment. This isn't our final home. We weren't built for this place. We were built for another place. This world is not my home. I'm only passing through. I forgot what the second line was. I think it goes scooby-dooby-doo or something like that. This world is not my own. The brokenness that we see is not the way that the Lord intended. He will make things right. Isn't that the hope that we have? One of the skills, one of the the, the, um, the disciplines that I've done, and I've shared this at our Thanksgiving service again and again, is I write down, I started at Thanksgiving, but, but I've been doing it probably for about 10 or 11 years. I write down a list with this verse at the top Unless I see the Lord's goodness, I would despair. And I write down the things that I'm thankful for, specific things. Now, if you looked at my list, you might go, That's kind of dumb. But you might look at my list and go, Boy, that, that really made an impact on you, didn't it? It did. It's God's provisions. It's God's different ways of saying, I know your heart, son. I know this will bless you, son. This is a way I want to love you, son. Contentment. I want you to know this, that sometimes my heart breaks over famous athletes or celebrities who have massive wealth and then they go through a messy, messy divorce. I pray for those people. I pray that gospel people filled with the Holy Spirit will come in their lives and set them free. You see, Hebrews chapter 13 comes out of the rest of all of the chapters because Jesus is better, because Jesus is better. We respond, we respond. We say, how can I not do this? We have an external awareness and an internal implications and the gospel, the gospel, the good news of Jesus What he has done sets us free, empowers us, and gives us hope. And that's the last and final point of this message. Number three is this. We have important reminders. We remember and we rest. Let me read verse 7 again to you, verse 7 and 8. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we remember our leaders. I remember my youth pastor who would point, he, he'd do his, he, he, I have a picture in my Bible, actually, when I was a sophomore in high school. You know who I'm talking about, Karen. Uh, we, uh, his name was Paul Johansson, And there's a picture next to me, this insecure, scrawny kid with big hair, big glasses. And I remember Paul saying, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. I remember a teacher by the name of Arlie who would say, stay tender to Jesus, Kirk. Keep a short account of sin. I remember my friend Don Fladland who would say, the secret, the, the thing you can't forget in ministry, Kirk, is stay in the heart of the gospel. Stay in the heart of the gospel. I remember my friend Don Barron out in Hawaii who, who would say to me, open the word and give him the word, son. Give him the word. Give him the word. I remember my mom saying, have a teachable spirit and get a good haircut. I mean that. So the, (laughs) the Bible says that we are to imitate our leaders. That's a little intimidating for me, to be honest with you. That's a huge responsibility. And my prayer is that you will see him clearly, clearly, clearly. He's the big person. He's the hero. He's the hope that we have. You're going to meet him someday. And that's why verse 8 says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He conquered the grave. He's coming back. He's true. He's right. Everything that you hope for, that you treasure, that you long for, is found in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus. Explore him, investigate him, spend time with him, have coffee with him. I've told you before, one of the things I do, I know it's kind of dumb, or it's kind of weird, but sometimes I will pour two cups of coffee in the morning, one for me and one for Jesus. I don't know if he uses cream. He hasn't told me yet. But you say, that's, that's weird. He's not really there. Oh, yes, he is. And it's a simple reminder for me to say, son, I'm here with you. Pour out your heart. He's the same yesterday, today and always. Now I'll just give you a little peek. We're just going to do this. Ready? We're going to peek over the fence for next next week. We're going to peek over the fence because it's the same yesterday, today and always. He is the one that we keep in mind when we talk about false teaching. And false teaching happens both in the big church and the narrative outside the big church. So we're going to take a look at that. Here are just some practical questions that I had there at the back of your bulletin about hospitality, about sexual sin, about your marriage. What's God's word saying to you? And as a disciple, what's the action step? Not because you have to, but because Christ is greater. He gave his body and blood for you. This is the hope that we have. We have this hope. We have this hope that Jesus came physically and gave his life for us. He died on the cross for us. He rose again for us. He gave us his spirit. He said, I'm coming back. And he's one hour closer to coming back than he was before church started. Pretty neat, huh? This is the body and blood of Christ. So as we have heard the preaching of God's word, this follows intentionally so that at the preaching of God's word, you will hear the word of God, repent and turn from your sins, and say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. And friend, when you say that, he hears that. And the proof is the meal. I invite you simply, before we hear the words of institution, to close your eyes, bow your head, and speak to the one who knows your heart. Confess, cry out to mercy. Mercy. Oh, Lord, you've heard the prayers of your people. You've heard the prayers of these women and men. And we thank you that Christ has provided a way. It is his blood. It is his body, broken for us, given to us, so that we might be strengthened and renewed. So as we have gathered, I thank you that you have heard our prayers. And we thank you, Lord, that we can confess our sins to you. We can confess our sins to one another. And we can cry out to mercy, and you will hear us.